Today's podcast is brought to you by ABC's record-breaking medical drama, Grey's Anatomy, starring Ellen Pompeo. In its 15th season, an episode called Silent All These Years marked one of the show's most emotional hours yet. Entertainment Weekly called it one of the most powerful episodes ever. And Glamour wrote, everyone should watch Grey's Anatomy's powerful message about consent. For your Emmy consideration, Grey's Anatomy for Outstanding Drama Series, Writing for a Drama Series, Directing for a Drama Series, Guest Star for a Drama Series, and in all other categories. Welcome to our second edition of Screen Talk, Emmy edition, with IndieWire's Libby Hill, our awards editor for TV, and Ann Thompson, editor-at-large and awards maven, usually on the film side. But in this season, in this Emmy season, we are looking into in this case, limited series, TV movies, and the actors therein. And But before we get there, Libby, what's going on in the FYC space this week? You know, everyone was going full tilt towards the FYCs. Now they are very quiet because nomination voting started on Monday. So the FYC scene is quieted down. But one of the most interesting things that I took note of last week was at the NBC's The Good Place FYC, Creator Michael Schur announced that the show's upcoming fourth season would be its final season, which was a real blow to fans, I know, because they love the show, they want more of the show, but it's also a very difficult show to do endlessly. Uh, I think it's the right move to end the show with a with a solid plan before everything falls apart, but it's it's an interesting move in modern television to be like, no, we're okay with... 48 episodes or however many they're going to end up with. I remember uh, I, when I talked to Ruth Wilson in New York um, after King Lear and we were talking about um, the affair, which ended, right. uh, and she withdrew. I mean, she, she got out. She got to die. Um, and, and she said that a lot of people talk about this, the way that um, some of these shows that are long-running series just go on and on and on. Um, I, you know, sometimes they just lose, lose their will to live. <laughs> they, get, they, they, just, they get repetitive. People are looking for the same thing over and over again. And the actors get bored. Well, absolutely. And that's something that's so relevant to something I wrote this week. Uh, I spoke to Schitt's Creek's Catherine O'Hara, and she was reluctant to sign on to that show in the beginning. Uh, It's now in production on sixth season, but she didn't want to commit to that because she wasn't sure she wanted to sign on for something that would run a, a questionable amount of years. So she talked a little bit about how it was hard for her to get into that place where she's like, okay, I wanna play this character as long as it's gonna run. Now, six seasons is both more and less than a lot of television, but I think it's interesting that actors are sort of thinking about that 
as they make their moves to television. And I think that is why we are seeing such a wealth of limited series now. This year is so dramatically increased. And um, and it's interesting because from the economic side, as I understand it, the people who put these things together and finance them, they want series. They want long-running series. It's where their money is. But the talent, and especially the movie talent, the people who want the flexibility that you're describing, they really want the miniseries and I, this is the highest quality range of limited series I've seen since I've been covering this babe well sure and and the interesting thing is those high quality stars that haven't worked in television in a while of which there's there's plenty this season well, Hugh Grant especially well, for Hugh example Grant, there's George Clooney right. there's Michelle Williams who, who I always forget got her start in television on Dawson's Creek but they uh they are not prepared for the intensity of of shooting a television season, even a limited series, uh, because that's eight, nine months of your life. And especially in something like Fosse Verdon, where you are learning how to dance, you're you're learning this choreography, you're you're aging through someone's lifetime. They had to put their their work in ahead. Absolutely. They really did, both of them. Right, right. So it's... Um, Limited series make more and more sense as far as a drawing talent to your project situation, but you know it, it's hard to tell how long networks are going to be investing in them. But if they are getting their return on investment, things like Big Little Lies, you know, th- then it's which worth started it for as them. a limited series which was such start. a huge, huge success that they obviously figured out a way to do a new one. And I tuned in. I had a big group over for dinner. We watched. We were on the. Ed- we heard the scream. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's heard about Meryl Streep's legendary uh, scream at this point. Um, so she's obviously uh, injecting a whole other level to this thing, um, and I can't wait. Andrea Arnold's doing a great job with it. But it was interesting to to talk to um, Jean-Marc Vallée about Sharp Objects because he was an example of a film director coming in, uh, taking over as if he were uh, a showrunner because David Kelly wasn't really playing that role one writer one director it was very much like a long movie mm-hmm. and it, it was handled that way sure. but then on sharp objects it was different oh, yeah and he really different. had to negotiate with uh, marty Knoxon, who's very powerful and used to running the show oh yeah of course. but he did come into the editing room on on big little lies which i thought was interesting they they wanted his eyes on and ears on that well that's good i mean i think it's important to have some consistency Sure. You know, and and so when it comes to maintaining that, I think it's great that he was willing to come back and and sort of lend his vision to to making the two parts of this continuing season more seamless series, rather. And as long as we're free associating here, I have to say um, their variety does these wonderful uh, combinations where they put various people together yes. for these video interviews. And I always get a Some of them are deadly dull, honestly. Some of them are just go to sleep time. But uh, the one with Richard Madden and Amy Adams was really good. And I, I just, recommend it. I just saw that today and I thought of you. It was it was <laughs> wonderful. I was like, oh my gosh. I, I happened to think highly that. of both of them. And when I interviewed Richard Madden about Bodyguard, 
regard, the sex scenes were fascinating to me How, because these two characters have these facades that are that are mask-like, right. and then when they get in bed and they're naked and they're having sex, there's this whole other person there. And he talked about that and how you're you're this sort of messed up, dysfunctional person getting into bed with someone else, and in that case, who's your boss, who you're supposed to protect? It's a lot. That's a lot of that's a lot of aspects to be playing in one sex scene, which is in itself a lot. Yeah, I'm into Richard Madden right now. He he's so good in Rocket Man, and I'm rooting for him for James Bond. All right, we're gonna get serious. We're gonna get serious. So so we're we're getting back to the show. So we talked last week about the the list of limited series, but we sort of dealt with the ones at the top. So we did Escape at Danamora and Chernobyl, which is picking up unbelievable buzz now. Really getting pulling other people into its orbit, if you like. Um, as the word gets around. Uh, Sharp Objects, which we talked about as something that has to come back from from where it was. Fosse Verdon, which has a lot of heat as it just concluded. And When They See Us. Now, When They See Us is the one we didn't really talk about that much. And, And the reason for that is that I think a lot of people are still catching up to it. They are. I mean, that is the disadvantage of dropping on May 31st, the last day of, of Emmy eligibility. It, it is also, it's a big ask of audiences. Each It's of the, a tough sit. It is a tough sit. It's each, upsetting material. It is. And each episode is over an hour long. So... And it's intense. And it's very intense. It's it it really puts you emotionally through the ringer. It does. It's like Chernobyl in the sense that it's a true story. That that's like almost like um, uh, how could this be true? Exactly. It's a, it's a tragedy, basically playing out before our eyes that we know is true. So when they see us as absolutely getting traction in the news, uh, as among voters, I'm not sure. But it's Ava DuVernay. And, and so won't the news drive voters to check it out? I believe so. And especially, you know, it's in Netflix. It's in your home. It's so easy to watch. You, you, you would think people would at least be sitting down and sampling it. So, so I, I, I moved when they see us up in the rankings, um, and I see that it has moved up with everyone at Gold. We're looking at Gold yeah. Derby again. Uh, do you think that when they see us is actually going to be uh, one of the nominees? I do. I do. I think there is such a pedigree behind it. I think that it is so timely in a way that we aren't necessarily seeing with the other projects. I mean, when they see us, it's like... The Handmaid's Tale. It continues to be relevant in all of the ways that we wish it wasn't relevant. And I think that, that is somewhat undeniable. With and voters. Donald Trump is in it. And Donald Trump is in it as himself. Um, the young Donald Trump. Right. The youngish Donald Trump. Not eligible for guest actor. No, thank you. Well, after a, a very English scandal on the Gold Derby chart, we have the true detective. And... I would think that if it doesn't register as one of the top five, it could be an acting conversation. Yeah. I mean, Mahershala is always golden. I think everyone loves him. I think that performance is tremendous, playing the same character over different three ages. different ages. Um, I, I see him getting into the acting, and, and we'll talk about that. We'll get into that more later. But I don't, I don't know if it's there for series. Something I have a question for you about is, 
So on the school derby list, the act, Hulu's The Act is coming in at nine, which is where we see Patricia Arquette's other big limited series role, um, this time in supporting actress, and has a very fine Joey King uh, performance in lead actress. Do you think the act is low or do you think it's just not going to find a place in this crowded field? It's a crowded field. That's all. Um, I know that there are a number of people who feel very strongly that the act is one of the best things. I still have to catch up with it. So if I still have to catch up with it, even though I should have watched it by now, um, there may be others. It may not be as high on the priority list. Right. And that's, that's something we're running into right now is that it's difficult to stay on top of everything. And, um, and the most popular shows, the ones with the most buzz and the most attention tend to rise. Right. It's exactly. just the way it is, which is why that, which is why I think, when they see us, has gotten extraordinary reviews. Um, but it's more in tune with where we are right now than, say, a very English scandal, which was a long time ago. Of all these shows, that was at the very beginning right. of the process. Right. Even with a huge star like Hugh Grant doing the rounds. And then you have something like Catch Twenty Two that never really seemed to find. A rhythm in there. Um. That's one of those things where it's so beautiful, it's so well made, it's so much fun. Actually, I liked it a lot. I wrote, yeah. I watched the whole thing That's with great. great pleasure. Six episodes, totally into it. Loved the book. Loved everything about it, even its old-fashioned values. Right. But I could see that I'm on the older side of the spectrum of people that are going to pay attention to that. That's not always a problem with the television academy. True. I mean, they're like the um, they're like the Oscars in that way. But I feel like they're, but I feel like I'm not hearing people talk about it. No, and so that concerns me as far as it's. Prospects. I agree with you. Um, and then you have Les Misérables, which is impeccably made, right? Very well acted, and I do hear people talking about it. That's great. Um, but again, you're up against a crowded field, and here at Gold Derby, and I don't think PBS puts the the major marketing moves on. No, no. I mean, it's a, it would definitely be a prestige play. But, yes. Uh, but I don't, I'm not sure it can play with the Very British, boys. very a period, you know. A um, lo- a Dominic of... West was really good. So was Derek Jacoby. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the caliber of acting is top notch. It's, but it's still PBS. It's still, uh, that's something I'm going to look at. I'm going to look into PBS at the Emmys. Uh, that's a good idea. For primetime I'd Emmys, be curious. I'm wondering Does where Masterpiece they get Theater tried. do well? Right. And I and they do master they do well in, in things like uh, documentary series, I know, but but I'm interested I'm interested in, in these limited series categories. Like, are they players? Because I think they probably have been players in T V movies in the past. Definitely. Or the changing uh, delivery systems of peak television. So I'm gonna look into that. I'm gonna get back to everyone. It's going to be great. So if you just scan down the rest of this list, which I am doing right now, I am not seeing anything that's going to challenge uh, any of the top players. I think we've covered it. No. Yeah, I I think those are the big ones. I'm a little surprised that Good Omens hasn't managed to crack in there. I think the reviews were a little soft for it. So it's just... um, it, it's it's just not going to get in on the limited level. I don't think it's possible. Its actors get in, but it depends on on how sold the academy is with it. And I don't 
have high hopes. I do hear good things about the actors. It's hard to not hear good things about Tennant and Sheen, but right. yeah. All right, then we have um, TV movie miniseries. I mean, TV TV movie. We mm-hmm. just did miniseries, so we we talked about Deadwood, which still seems to be at the top of the heap. Mm-hmm. Um, although the Gold Derby Group, I have it at the top of the heap. The Gold Derby Group has Black Mirror Bandersnatch, which we both agreed last week. We don't think it's the top front runner. I really don't. I don't either. I do think Deadwood has supplanted it. I do too. And then King Lear. I didn't see King Lear. I didn't either. Mm -hmm. Which is why it's so interesting to me that it's so high on this Gold Derby list. It's a default position. Shakespeare, Anthony Hopkins, Emma Thompson. It has every reason to be there. I'm sure that I will eventually, whether now or six years from now, sit down and watch this King Lear (laughs) and be like, oh my gosh, this was one of the best things of the year. But there's another way of looking at it, which is that there's not that much else. That's very true. It's really a question of of what's even in the running here. Yeah. The Romanovs was hit or miss. Right. Across the board. All the different episodes were different. Right. So the one they picked is the one they think is the... The best one. Well, they have three submitted here. And so it, it that, I can't imagine, is going to be a positive for them um, as far as vote splitting. If people are, are really intent on nominating the Romanoffs, which I don't believe is, is the case. No. Uh, I loved Native Son. I thought it was terrific. And I heard great things about It was at Sundance. That. And I just, HBO has done a lot of marketing along with A24. But at the same time, I don't hear anyone talking about no. it. I don't hear anyone talking about this category outside of the top two. I'm with you. I'm with you. Not my dinner with Hervé. No. Not Brexit. Not no. King Lear. So I put Native Sun up higher on my list because I think it's so good, but who knows? But, I mean, at that at that rate, like, if the top two are locked and everything else is a free-for-all, there's every chance Native Sun gets in there. I think so, too. Side. I agree. And diversity would be an asset oh, I, yes. in this case. Always. All right. So then we have, we're going to go into the acting now. So we start with Patricia Arquette. This entire this entire season is about Patricia Arquette. She can do no wrong. She can do no wrong. She's going to, she may win two Emmys. Like that's, that's madness. I'm working on my story with her. I did interview her and I've interviewed her. I was actually on a jury with her at Sundance and I liked her. That doesn't always happen, by the way. That's fair. Um, I really liked her. And, um, and I also uh, interviewed her uh, at the time of Boyhood, which, of oh. course, she won the Oscar yes. for. Uh, that incredible line, uh, I thought there would be more. Oh, my gosh. So she transforms herself, gains, this is always a thing. Oh, she yeah. gains 40 pounds. She uh, makes herself I- into this very believable character who is simultaneously sexy and big. Right. But believable. Right. And real. Right. And complicated. And not always doing the right thing at all. Mm-hmm. But we get it in this triangle with these two prisoners. Right. And then her husband. <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's complicated. So what would, beyond that, what would, what, what would you lay out as reasons why she's got the win here? I mean, this is one of those cases where... Escape at Dannemora did come out a long time ago, uh, compared to a lot of these other things. A lot of, compared to Fosse Verdon, compared to the act, um, 
It, it, it does have history. But the thing was, the thing is, Escape of Denimore dominated everything at the year-end awards. It dominated at the Golden Globes. It dominated, I believe, at the SAGs. It destroyed sharp objects in every place where they went head-to-head. That's true, and it was a surprise. Right. It, it, was, it, was, it was fresh at the time. Right. It was, they both were. They both were. They yeah. were. They, it was probably the most dominant win of the winter. Like it, it, and it deserved to be. Yes. I love sharp objects, but this one's better. This is even better on right. every level, and all the actors are extraordinary, too. So if you think about that, if you think about Escape, I think you automatically think about Patricia Arquette. Uh, that is the argument for her winning. Um, it's because over when you Michelle look at, Williams. That's the argument. I'm just making the up argument in the rankings. Right. I think if someone beats Patricia Arquette, I think it's Michelle Williams. Um, with the more recent show. Yes. Uh, with the heat of just coming off Fosse Burden, I think she's doing the circuit. I think she's doing the press, and. I think she's charming. I think the Academy is already a little in love with her based on what I saw on that FYC uh, several weeks ago that we talked about on the last podcast. And and I don't know. She's she's a very, very strong underdog. And she sings, she dances, she channels, changes exactly. her voice, just um, as in terms of acting. Right, right. And voters have a chance to award Patricia Arquette in another category. If they're going to think that far ahead. That is why Patricia Arquette is beatable in this category. Can she be, can she be, be will she be beaten? I have no idea. It's between the two of them, I think. Although I have to say, Amy Adams is a strong competitor. Another Oscar contender who has never won the Oscar, by the way. Right. And oh. she has been, um, I think, unconscionably overlooked oh, in yeah. some of, some years when she should have been nominated, like for Arrival. So, so she's she's um, uh, like Michelle Williams and Patricia Arquette considered a movie actress. And she's incredible in Sharp Objects. She that performance is so overlooked, and it's not that those other performances aren't worthy. It's just that she's getting demolished in a ridiculously strong year. And, uh, I mean, let's talk about that performance. So, again, she's uh, damaged goods, covered with scars, has to cover her body, uses her hair as her sex object. Right. And um, is, is not entirely um, transparent to herself. She is unraveling her own past as she goes. It's a great performance. Oh, yeah. And her, her dynamic with Patricia Clarkson, her dynamic with, with the cop, it's it, the cops, oh, and yeah. her editor, everything, oh, and, the, yeah. and the young women. It's super. All subtle. the suspects. It's super dynamic, and 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 it's just been forgotten. I'm not sure it's been well, forgotten. It, we talked about her little interview with with Richard Madden. We did. I just it. If she couldn't beat Patricia Arquette coming out of the gate last winter, I don't know what her chances look like now. Yeah. All right. Then we have Emma Stone in Maniac, who's terrific, as she always is. Oh, right. Uh, I just think that's a weaker show. And another Oscar winner. Yeah. Uh, 
It's a great part, but I'm not sure everyone's seen that show. No, I don't. Or finished it. Right. It, it's not, it doesn't feel as though it's on the same level. It's not on the same level. And then Ruth Wilson, uh, as I said, I interviewed her. She's terrific in Mrs. Wilson, but I don't know that everyone is, is seeing this sort of, uh, you know, it, what is it? It's a proper British show. Right, right. And it's it's just, it's very reserved. It, I don't and know she's playing this button-downed character based on her own grandmother. Right. To her credit, she's doing it accurately, but but maybe this isn't the most entertaining show we have going here. Maybe not. And I got to tell you, if I'm excited for Ruth Wilson, I'm excited for Ruth Wilson next year once the Golden Compass has come out. Um, that adaptation his dark of the, his dark materials. And and then that that is Ruth Wilson, and then they can be like, oh, we're sorry, we missed you, on Mrs. Wilson. It often does work that way. And then we have Joey King, the as you mentioned before, yes. for the act, she, or Connie Britton for Dirty John. Right. And I love Connie Britton, but this is no Mrs. Coach on Friday Night Lights. Uh, Connie's doing great work. Connie always does great work, but. Again, there are there are levels in this. There are very distinct levels in this category, and you have Arquette and Williams and Adams on one level, and and Ruth Wilson could be on that level if anyone watched Mrs. Wilson. That's really the issue. Um, and then there's another level. That's where you're finding Joey King. That's where you're finding Connie Britton. That's where you're finding Juliana Margulies. And and it's just about who from the second level is going to sneak into that. So is the hot category. zone going to be a factor? It might. It won't. It's not going to be a factor. Natchez would really like it to be a factor. Um, they push really hard on it, but I, I don't, I don't think it connected. All right, I'm looking through the other possibilities. Some of the people from Deadwood, who, who often, who are, I saw it. It's they, they, they all have tiny parts, really. These they, women. They do. If, if anyone's getting there, I mean, I would love for, I would love for Calamity Jane. She's Robin my Weiger favorite. She's that performance is incredible. So she would be in supporting, I would think. Right, but, but these are hardly leads. Molly no, Parker and Paula Malcolm. Molly Parker's ridiculous to be in this lead category. Um, it feels like a holdover from her role in the series because I think she has less screen time than almost anyone in there. I would argue maybe Niecy Nash. I don't know if she, I don't know if she's if she if you see her as lead lead. Um, for when they see us, um, I think that show she's very show good. Well, it's yeah. an ensemble. I don't see any of the women as leads. That Do is you? my concern. No, and that is my also my concern with the dead. So she's movie. the most famous woman in the cast, give or take a Felicity Huffman. But yes, but Felicity Huffman's playing an extremely unlikable character and not it's the always, part she needed to play at this moment no, in time not really if she had to do it all over again because yeah, she's so so wicked yeah well, that's what <laughs> she's, she's a good actor at. she's a very good actor exactly um anything else in here i don't think so no nothing of all right so nothing. we're gonna go to actor and i don't all right for, for most of the time, and still on Gold Derby, uh, most people are calling it for Mahershala Ali. Are you still putting him at number one? I, he's not my number one. Like, I love Mahershala, and maybe I'm underrating how much everyone else loves Mahershala, but there are other performances this year, and 
And I, I don't want to give it to Mahershala just because he's Mahershala. Uh, I, sometimes the Emmys work that way. I know. I know. And sometimes the Oscars <laughs> work that way. But, but he's not exactly overdue. No, he's not. He's, he's He's been winning. He has been winning. He he kind of came out, you know, Moonlight put him on this other level. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a person that Hollywood feels like this is an acceptable person to give awards to. And they're not wrong. He's incredible. He's been incredible for a really long time. But I don't think that should be our default setting here because there are so many amazing performances in this category. That so there's should two ways about. of looking at this. One would be predictive, right. and one would be what we'd like to see. So I'm putting Jared Harris at the top of my list of what I'd like to see. Oh, yeah. I love He's Jared so Harris. so good in this. I love Jared Harris. So many subtle, quiet moments. of rev- That moment where he, uh, in the first episode, mm-hmm. or it might be the second, where he, where he uh, opens up the document and realizes what's yes. in it. Yes. Quiet. Yes. You don't see, yeah. you don't, he doesn't say a word. And you know that something has been revealed. Right. Right. Something terrible. Exactly. See, this category, especially on Gold Derby, makes me, drives me crazy because it's not necessarily wrong, but I'm so upset at the thought of it. So my darkest of dark horses here is I think Timothy Oliphant should be getting nominated for the Deadwood movie. You have a crush on him. I have a crush on him. Absolutely. But... And so do I. Right. In reality, his work there is not only so far beyond what he was delivering in the series, it's very Because he's matured. Exactly. As an actor. Exactly. Ian McShane, always golden. Did the same thing. He's always done. um, Yeah, delivered consistently on that level. It it was very, it it was interesting to watch. It's a showier role, and it always has been. Um, With Oliphant playing Sheriff Bullock, well, sorry, U.S. Marshal Bullock, that character is much harder and much more difficult. And I think for the first time in this role, Oliphant rose to the occasion and played all of those levels that were always present there, matured as an actor, as the character matured. I think it's a shame that on this Gold Derby list, like, he's, he's down at 15. A, he's down at 100 to 1 odds. He is, and... And our good friend Ben Travers is going to kill me. He's below Chris Pine in I Am the Night. Like, I don't understand what is happening on this list. And I understand that it is very difficult for actor, co-lead actors of a project to both get nominated. Um, so it feels a little like McShane or nothing. We should remind everyone that we're simply using this as a way of discussing this. Very By true. no means is Gold Derby predictive, no, and they are no, often no. wrong. Right. There are plenty of things I called out last year that I thought they were wrong on, and they were. Well, you're very smart. Sometimes they don't get the hipper shows, right. if you like. Right. And and Dad, but this is also probably slightly. Um, dependent on what the people who are voting have seen. Well, so and are they, the Emmys at that know, rate, and, too. And, and that's, that's a thing. So they have Jared Harris way far down. I think he's much higher than this. I agree, I agree with that. And, I think he's top I, three at this And point. I would say uh, Sam Rockwell, they have very high. I'm not sure he's this high. I, I would like to see him five. get nominated. Yeah. 
I think so too. I, I think what this gold derby list is telling us is this is a really deep category. Yes. Look where look where King Lear is here. Oh it's yeah. It's way lower. And there's no way King Lear Because they're pushing gets the two, they put the two categories together for exactly. acting. Exactly. And and that's that's the reality here is that we're just it's a it's a wealth of performances to choose from and the Academy has their work cut out for them. And here again, here's David Tennant at number 20 on this list. And I think there's just, there's too much. Well, what I was going to say about Sam Rockwell, the debate with him is that some people feel really strongly who do know this story and these characters well, that he isn't Bob Fosse. That he doesn't somehow channel Bob Fosse the way Michelle Williams does channel Gwen Verdon. And he dances well and he's got the rakish hat and he's he's a womanizer and all that. Some people have trouble with the idea of Sam Rockwell being a womanizer, a believable womanizer. Because Bob Fosse was this magnetic, really charming, really masculine guy. You know, he had an edge. Right. I think Sam Rockwell does an amazing job of playing the character he's playing in this. He doesn't have to be Bob Fosse. Right. I think it's, I I think that's interesting. And that's, that's the, the difficulty of playing someone who is still, who, who people alive have memories of. But there are not that many people. Um, I would say that the narrow band of people who really know this subject is pretty slim. I would also argue that it is easier to play Gwen Verdon, which is someone, you got to hear me out here, (laughs) which is someone who people who don't know of her don't have a lot of preconceived notions about her. There was no all that jazz that defined her. Right. Written by her. (laughs) You know, Gwen wasn't writing her own narrative. So we have a little, I think they have a little more room to work within that. And this is the revisionist narrative. Right. But there, it's very much the two, a two-hander. I mean, it's very much the two of them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so it's a little weird. I, th- I do think Michelle is better than the better than Sam, but I, um, I really loved have played, his performance. Who could have played that? That's who? the other side. I yeah. don't know. That's the thing. I mean, he's, he's, I, I, but, but. That argues that he shouldn't be this high up, I, I would suggest. Yeah. And, that's, and Hugh Grant, I think, d- gives one of the best performances of his career right. and shows us what a great character actor he is. Which is just his career lately. I mean, right. his, his full born character actor <laughs> is delicious. And I, I love it. And I can't get enough of it. So I think he's. I and think he, he gets is nominated. so charming on the circuit. He, I mean, no one, no one is more fun to interview or listen to right. or watch videos of. Well, and that paid off. Did he win the Golden Globe for that role, or was that Ben Wishaw who won? Uh, we better look that. I up. am checking right as we speak. Let's see. He was nominated. Oh yeah, he did not win, but he I, was nominated. I for didn't the Globe. think Hugh Grant won. I didn't think either, but now I'm going back to check. It was Darren Chris for assassination of definitely won, definitely won. All right, leading to the Emmy as well. Um, then we have Benicio del Toro and Escape at Danamora, which I totally deserved, and mm-hmm. he should get in. He, did, he it's a scary, deep, nasty 
uh, sexy performance, really scary. Yeah. A man with a lot of different facets that are revealed over time. He's incredible. Benicio's incredible. I've been waiting for him to get into television, and, and, and this was everything I'd hoped for. Uh, I think it almost killed him because he wasn't used to the pace and the length of time that was required, but he certainly delivered. Then we have Ian McShane and Deadwood. I I, I don't see that happening, actually, because he's just not that... I think I agree with you that Oliphant gives a much more nuanced and and exciting performance. I, you know, I... He's good in it, though. It, I... I you think a, people are favor they like him. I have a really difficult time um, getting a feel for what the reception on Deadwood's going to be. Um, I don't know how nostalgic people are for it, and I don't know how that goes up against things like Fosse Burden. But I were you a fan of the original? I was a huge fan okay. of the original. Okay. Um, I think in you know getting any more of Al Swearingen maybe enough for people. Yeah. And he was the one that consistently got nominated. So Yeah. I see why it is shaking out that way. But it really depends on on Deadwood's reception overall. All right. So then we come to when they see us. Gerald Jerome. Right. Could that be a way of recognizing this show? Absolutely. In the best actor category. Absolutely. I think that looking at those And this young is men, the pivotal episode four. Yes, yes. I think which looking, is all on his character. Right. Looking at those young men, I think focusing so intently on one of them is a great way for number one, audiences to empathize and get into their heads. And I think it also you know, it forces us to appreciate what these actors are going through. And I think if, if, if they are all in on when they see us, then I think this is a great way to reward it. Now, if people thought, if I thought anyone had seen Native Son, I would be making a huge, huge push for Ashton Sanders. Right. Now, he was in Moonlight. We mm-hmm. all saw what he could do. Mm-hmm. He goes way beyond that oh my in this gosh. movie. He's so great. He carries the screen with this extraordinary charisma. It's a crowded year. And I don't know what people have seen. I really don't. But I do know that Moonlight had a heck of a casting director on it. That's for sure. Judging by this season. <laughs> now, Michael Shannon and, and David Tennant are here for Good Omens, but they're both buried at the yeah. bottom of the pile. I don't see how... They're very well-regarded, very well-respected yeah. actors. I don't know well, how they... But yeah. I haven't even watched it yet. Neither have I. I... I have seen I've seen the first episode. I should say they're fine. Gaiman isn't my ball of wax. He's a very acquired taste. Yes, but yeah, the the bottom of this quote unquote list is is incredible because you have Michael Sheen and Tennant down here for Good Omens. You have Michael Shannon for Little Drummer Girl, which is something and Alexander Skarsgård, right? Which is something that that critics were so into, and, and Little Drummer Girl just is not on the radar whatsoever. No, no. And uh, I don't think Christopher Abbott for Catch-22, although he gave a really good performance. Right. Um, I don't know about Benedict Cumberbatch in Brexit, although everyone loves him. 
I'm going to root for Gerald Jerome, if there's a spoiler here, breaking in to the top uh, category. That's it for our podcast. Join us next week as we continue traversing the many categories and competitors in this year's Emmy race. 